We're walking through a new uh, little series that we are, we are looking at here. We're talking about the vision, the vision of the church and the vision that we have and the reason why we exist. We started off last week talking about the fact that Marquette County doesn't just necessarily need another church. And so the question is, is why do we exist? Why are we here? What, what is it about MCC and, and why do we uh, here? What does God want for us uh, to do? And so as we began this series looking at our vision and our purpose, we're asking the question, why? And uh, we made a statement last week that's so very, very important that you need to remember the churches that don't understand the why die. And so we need to understand the why. What's the purpose? We can go through the motions, but if we don't understand the why, we don't understand anything about what we're trying uh, to do. And so last week, we laid out the, uh, the foundation of our vision. And so I want to give you a statement this morning just uh, that you can kind of put in your notes there to give you the foundation of why Marquette Community exists. So this will be on the screen for you. Marquette Community Church exists to invest in reaching our communities with the gospel because all people matter to God and matter to us. So the number one thing that we want to do as a church, the number one thing that we want to happen, the number one thing that we want for every person who is a member of this church to be able to go out into the community, because our mission field is right outside these doors, and to be able to share with our lives and with our words the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that, what we are about. Now with that, we build upon that, and that's what we're going to do today. The Apostle Paul now shifts his focus and focuses specifically on those who are followers of Jesus Christ, those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, those of us who claim to be saved, what are we supposed to look like? Do you realize Jesus tells us, and the Scriptures tell us what we're supposed to look like, and how we're supposed to look and act and react and all of that. So Paul is going to emphasize here this morning for us that... How we live our lives as believers is equally important, if not more important, than simply speaking the gospel. How many of you know that you can give the clearest, concise, best presentation of the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, and if your life doesn't back up what you say you believe, you totally destroy your presentation, right? If you don't live what you say you believe, then you have no... uh, ability to share the truth of the Word of God. And so what I want to do this morning again is I want to bring us back to our vision text. This is in Titus chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is uh, writing to his apprentice Titus here, and he lays out exactly what he wants Titus to understand that the church is supposed to do and what we've adopted as our theme passage for our vision and what we are to do. And verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous good works. That is the vision, that is the purpose of why we exist. 
And as we looked at last week, we looked at verse number 11 and talked about salvation and evangelism. And now Paul instructs Titus and us here to tell us exactly what our lives as followers of Jesus are to look like. And so let's look at that again. Verse number 12 says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So what we are to do is we are to renounce. That means to reject to abandon. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not to be plugged into the world. You're not to look like the world. You're not to act like the world. As a matter of fact, it says to reject ungodliness. Ungodliness is disobedience to God. In other words, if we could flip that around to the positive, we're to obey God. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are to obey what God has commanded us and given us in His world, in His word then we need to renounce or reject worldly passions. You know, this world is so good at making things look good that in the end actually destroy us and tear us down, don't they? That's the ploy of the devil. That's what Satan loves to do. loves to make it uh, in a beautiful package with a beautiful bow, and then when it's all said and done. You know, yeah, have you ever noticed, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Can we be honest in church here this morning? The beer commercials are the best commercials that are out there, right? Okay. Oh, are we supposed to say that in church? I don't know, but that's usually how it goes. But have you noticed that every person that's in that beer commercial looks like they're successful and doing great? Why don't they put the wino that's stuck out on the street because of his alcohol addiction on there, right? They make it all look really, really good, but they don't tell you the end results of what that can to your life and how it can destroy your life and how it can take you down a bad road. And if anybody has struggled with uh, that type of addiction, you understand the power that it has in a person's life. But the world doesn't want you to see, they, they want you to make it look pretty. And, and the Bible tells us that as followers of Jesus Christ, that God says, listen, I give you my word, I give you the truth, I, I want you to renounce disobedience and I want you to obey me and I don't want you to get into, give into the world. As a matter of fact, John put it this way in his epistle. Just listen to what he says. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that, the, that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And we can even uh, substitute world there to enemy. It's the ploy of the devil to try to get us wrapped up into that stuff. And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, we must know the Word of God, uh, and we must apply it. And we're going to see that here. What does he say? He says not only are we to renounce those things, but we are to be self-controlled. We need to be living that self-control. The only way that we can have self-control is by applying the Word of God to our lives, right? That's, what, that's the key. So we need to know God's Word. We need to live upright, he says, which means that we need to act and react rightly in all of our dealings. In every person we deal with, in every situation we deal with, we need to act and react as God would have us to act and react. <clears throat> and then he just amps it up here, as the Apostle Paul does. So not only do you need to live self-controlled, not only do you need to live upright, which we can kind of do in and of ourselves, but then he says, let me tell you for sure what you can't do. You can't be godly, <laughs> right? Which means this, that we need God's power in order to do this. As a matter of fact, what he's saying here is that we need to live in holiness. 
And Peter put it this way, he says, But just as he, God, who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now, we hear that, we listen to that, and we go, wow, that's like impossible, we can't do it, absolutely, we can't do it, we need God to do it, but you understand that word holy there means to be separated from the world and to be separated unto God, is what he's referring to there. And so in order for us to live holy, we must renounce the world, and we must hold on to God, right? And that's, that's how we live the way that God has called us to as followers of Jesus Christ. And if you've been in church for any length of time, You've heard this. I know this. I understand this. I understand that as a follower of Jesus, I'm, not, I'm supposed to put aside the things of the world. I know as a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to follow the Lord and follow the Word of God and to do it. So as believers, we know how we are to live. And we know how we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to take the Word. We're supposed to study the Word of God. We're supposed to know the Word of God. And we're supposed to apply it to our lives. So that is how we live in this world apart from the world and live according to how God wants us to live. Okay, we're done. Let's go home. You're like, no, 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 Pastor. We know you much better than that. You can't be done already. So, And you would be right. <laughs> we have even a word to go with us, the, 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 a Christian word that we use, church word, if you will, about studying God's word, knowing God's word, and applying God's word to our lives. It's called discipleship. We understand that. We, as followers of Jesus, are to be disciples, and we're to live as disciples of Christ. But here's the question. Now that we know what to do, and now that we know how to do it, why is it so hard to accomplish it? Why is this so difficult in our lives? In other words, the church is to look like Jesus in this world. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's what the Bible tells us. Then why does the church so often not look like Jesus? Why do we in our own lives struggle to be like Jesus? Why do we uh, have a hard time with this? And I just want to bring you to one simple thought with that today, answering this why, why we struggle with this. And I think it comes down to one word that Paul has in our passage today that either we miss or really we, we neglect. And the one word that I believe, uh, this word I believe is a total game changer for us to continually live like Christ in this broken world. So let's see what Paul has for us. Again, if you'll go to the next slide, you'll see the word jump out at you. Why? Because I highlighted it in yellow. Next, training. Nope, you one back. Good try. There you go. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The word that seems so basic to us, seems so innocuous, if you will, is the word training. And we look at that and go, well, what, what does that have to do with, with anything here? Well, I want you to know that the Greek word uh, for this is paideo, and it literally means to be instructed or taught, hence the word training, instructed or taught. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever tried to do a project by yourself that absolutely required the help of another person, but you tried to do it on your own? You ever been there? I don't, how many of you, help me out in here, how many of you like DIY shows? Anybody? Okay, good, good. Some men, put your hands up, please. Okay, good. I'm not into the crafty things, but I love the DIY. The, I'll tell you one of my favorite shows. First Time Flipper. Has anybody seen this? 
oh, this is my favorite show because it, this, these are people that buy houses that flip them to try to make, make money. But here's the thing, they have my skill set. I mean, there's some people on there that don't recognize what a hammer is. Yeah, that's me. I don't know. I love it because as you watch this, you watch them do this, and you see these people that, that get into these tasks that they, they, they need to do, and they don't know what they're doing. And then the editors of the show do the best thing in the world. They don't say anything, but they, they'll write on the screen. If you ever watch it, you'll understand. They'll write on the screen, and they'll point an arrow going, no safety goggles on, or, or don't use that tool, or I can't find this, and they'll point to it in the screen. It's just hilarious because I'm just, I just love this because they're taking on something that they don't know how to do. Now, in the end, I don't know what happens. In the end, this thing looks immaculate and wonderful. Uh, I don't know how that, that happens, but, but they do it. And I've tried to convince my wife, I've tried to tell her, hon, listen, it only takes them an hour. <laughs> I mean, we can do this. It's, I mean, just one hour. We can have a house that's totally dilapidated to this beautiful thing. She never says yes. It's because she's smarter than I am. In other words, they try to do their own task when they obviously need help with it. And this is exactly Paul's point. Paul's point is simply this. You cannot live the Christian life on your own. You need other believers' help. That's how God has designed this thing. That's how God has put this together. I, I thought about this word training, and I thought to myself, how many of you, you know, uh, have you ever tried to train yourself? Sometimes it doesn't, doesn't go very well, but if you want to be successful, you have to have someone else in your life to help train you. All right, even this, and, and I love this because I, I've gotten to do some things that, that I did, never knew how to do, and I, and I actually pulled them off. YouTube. Anybody been on YouTube? How do you do this? I find someone on YouTube. And then, then I find someone that knows the hack better than the other person. And I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And I get some of it done. But I can't do that unless I have that person on YouTube training me. If you're going to train for anything or you're going to train to be successful in anything, you need someone to come alongside you and help you do it. It doesn't matter what it is. You need someone to come alongside you and help you to be successful. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews told us in Hebrews chapter 10. You know this verse very well, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now this passage of scripture is used most primarily about church attendance. Come and be in church. That's good. That, that's right. That's exactly what it is. But I want you to understand that the meaning here for us to stir up one another to love and good works or to encourage one another literally means a lot more than just participating in a worship service. How many of you know that you can come in to the church, you can find a place to sit, and you can come all the way through the worship service, and you can leave the worship service without really talking to anybody? It happens all the time, right? And so you can come in and go out and not really fellowship with one another. And, and maybe you enjoy being in the service. Maybe the music is awesome like we experienced today. And, and maybe the preaching is all right. And you go okay. And you, and you go out and you're ready to go. And it's good. 
Well, the reality is, is that we need much more than that in our lives. We need one another to come alongside us and to encourage one another. You know what's the neat, neat thing about being a trainer or training someone? You just have to know more than the person you're with. Isn't that good? Right? Or they need to know more than what you know. See, we at one time, in every relationship, at some point you're a trainer, and at some point you're a trainee. That's just how it goes. That's how life works. Some things you know, some things you don't know, but someone else knows it. And when we work together, we come together in this. And then I think it's very important because in our text today, Paul telling Titus says that we need to make sure we do this in this present age right now. And then the writer of Hebrews tells us very importantly what this present age is, which is so true. The Hebrews writer tells us that we need to come together with one another to walk in this journey together as more knowing that the day approaches, that day is the coming of the Lord. Can I tell you a secret? The Bible tells us plainly that as it gets closer and closer to the Lord's return, it's going to get harder and harder to walk as a believer. It's just how it's going to go. And the reality is, is that we need, I'm just going to put it this way, we need to have each other's backs. We absolutely do. We need to be able to have a family that, that is there for us. As a matter of fact, one of the things I thought was so amazing is I kind of looked through this and I, I looked at this word and focused more on this word of training and needing someone with us. Isn't it amazing that since the pandemic, our culture has become more isolated than ever before? Isn't it interesting that, that our culture and our society is pushing more and more for isolation? I was thinking about this. It is absolutely possible for you to go an entire day, maybe days, maybe even a week, and never have human contact. You realize that? You could go an entire week. Now, many people today still work for, remotely. They still work from home. They don't have to go into work. All they have to do is, is emails or messages or whatever. Sometimes they have Zoom meetings, stuff like that, or they talk by way of video. Did you know today that any food you want can be delivered to your house now? Even McDonald's. You don't have to wait 30 seconds in that drive through as a matter of fact, they've got this nifty thing called the McDonald's app. I don't want to tell you how I know. <laughs> All right? You order the food, you drive up, they hand it to you, you leave. You don't have to worry about it. And then I love this. My 70-year-old parents, get this, are you sitting down? They don't even go to a grocery store anymore. They order all their groceries online. I remember when they thought the mouse was something they had to trap in the house to use. Some of you will get that joke later. That's okay. And they're, they're getting their groceries online, and all my dad does is drive into the grocery store and, and parks in a spot and calls on his phone, and someone just wheels it out to him. Our society is becoming isolated. It really, really is. It's, it, we, we don't ever have to be around others. Our culture is driving us apart and isolating us, which is exactly, listen now, which is exactly what the enemy wants and exactly what God doesn't want. How many of you are National Geographic fans? I like 
You ever watch the lion hunt? Who do they go for? The one that's isolated from the crowd. Right? The one who is helpless in that. And that's why the enemy loves what is happening in our society today. And church, we need to fight, if you will, against that. We need to go against that. We need to make sure that more and more as time is progressing that we are together more often with each other. And it's so very important that we are together uh, in the church setting just like this. But I want to encourage you even more because I want to talk about discipleship and how we live this life out. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the best way that we can grow as followers of Jesus Christ, the best way that we can come alongside and encourage each other and build each other up throughout the week is a small group ministry. We need small groups of, of, of people getting together. 10 to 12 people throughout the week coming together and, and sitting down with one another and doing life together uh, and, and getting together and really dealing with the nuts and bolts of life. I've been in ministry for over 30 years and I am convinced now more than ever that true discipleship does not happen in straight rows like this. You come in, you hear a message, you take away what, you, what God has for you in that message, you go home and you try to live it out by yourself. But that's not discipleship. Discipleship is hearing the truth of the Word of God, applying it to your life, and getting with someone else and living it out how it actually works. And working out the details and struggling, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that true discipleship happens in circles. In small groups, small groups of people getting together, doing life together. And we already have a little bit of that happening in our church right now. We, we get to see this. If you come out on Wednesday night, Wednesday nights we have a lesson uh, that's taught, and then we break up into ladies and men's groups, and we sit around, and I'm telling you what, those that come to those groups, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to believe this, but I'm telling you, get more out of that Wednesday night group than they do on a Sunday morning. It is so much fun, especially as a pastor, to sit there in the circle and to hear this man speak. I don't, because I'm not in the ladies' group. You understand why? Okay. But to hear, hear this man say one thing and another man come alongside and say, yeah, but this is, and, and like, this goes deeper there. And I'm sitting back going, woo, I don't have to do no work. <laughs> this is good. It's called iron sharpening iron, isn't it? And I hear from the ladies' groups, and I know they do the exact same thing. And I know that they converse and, and talk about it. And you know what happens in those groups? See, I, see, you know, a lot of times I do the teaching on Wednesday night too for, for certain things. And you know what? What happens? They actually get in the group and they, they, they do better than my lesson. Right? Because they, they work on it a little bit more and they go a little bit farther. And they actually apply it to their lives. And this is what we want for a small group ministry. This is what we desperately need in, in, by way of a small group ministry. And so what I want to share with you today is that you cannot do life alone. And one of the areas that we've been missing here because of the fact of the pandemic and everything, we started a small group ministry right before the pandemic hit, right? How many times have you heard stories like that? Just before the pandemic hit, we were going really good and it was going great and then we shut everything down. But it's time, church, it's time for us to relaunch. It's time for us to start again. It's time for us to get back into uh, life groups. 
So in your bulletin this morning, if you have a bulletin or, or don't, or your spouse has one or whatever, there's a flyer in there. And we are rebuilding, relaunching our, our life groups. And so what we're asking today is that if you are interested in being part of a life group, that's what we're calling them, life groups or small group ministry, we're asking if you would fill that out. Now, it says your name, and then it says spouse. Well, if you're not married, you don't have to worry about that. But if, it's, if you have a fiancé or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that's where it goes there if you want them to come with you and put your email on there. Now, can I stress something? I, got, I need your attention right here. Pre, please write legibly. <laughs> we want to be able to contact you. We want to be able to let you know. This is our first step in doing this. What we want to do is we want to get a group uh, together of, of people that want to start this and want to get it going. There's also a line on there if you were very brave and you want to maybe know a little bit more about what it means to lead one of these small groups, we will train you. We will take you through. It's very easy and it's a lot of fun. Check the box on there and we will help you with that. So, that's my little commercial for our small groups today, but can I bring us back now to how really serious this is, how important this is? Oh, by the way, once you fill out that form, don't keep it. Then I don't know. There's a box out there right underneath the black box. Would you make sure you put it in the box, please? Okay, done with our commercial, back to our regularly scheduled programming. The why. The why. Too many believers are getting caught up into the world and falling to the wayside. Too many believers are getting caught up in isolation and Satan is taking them out. The only way, church, that we are going to survive and go forward is for us to come alongside everyone, come together, and move forward. Now listen, every single person has something to contribute. Every single follower of Jesus Christ has something to give and something to receive. You're important. You're important not only for this ministry, you're important to the lives of everyone in here. You, listen, you influence others who are here just by your presence, just by a word. Do you realize that you can change a person's life just by one single statement? And the fact that you're there present can change everything. Listen, I am beyond a shadow of a doubt believe that we cannot navigate through the rest of this life on our own church. We cannot. You need others to come alongside you and minister to you, and you need to come alongside others and minister to them. And the greatest way that you can encourage others unto good works, the greatest way that you can encourage one another to make it another day, the very best way that you can encourage Christians to go on and live the way that they are to live is to be a part of this small group. So can I challenge you with this last slide this morning? Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Join a life group. This is not a ploy to build a ministry. This is a safety line to save your life. Do you understand that? Satan, the Bible says, is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may 
devour. And the first person he wants to pick off is the one who says, I'll isolate myself away from other believers. You are needed. You are important. And your participation, without being funny at all, can save a life. Will you stand with me in God's house today? Oh, dear God, the truth of the matter is that we are living in a day and age where walking and serving you is becoming increasingly more difficult. And God, I thank you so much for a service like this today where, where there are so many folks, so many people. But God, even more so, we need to have time where we come together within the week to share the burdens, the needs, the prayer requests, the fun, the joy, just simply life to help us get through another week. So God, I pray that as we are looking to relaunch this ministry, first that you will bless it and that you'll be glorified through it. And I pray, Father, that you will encourage us and bless this church and continue to use us to bring great honor and glory to you. We give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.